My name is Matthew Whitehouse. You're listening to The Face Podcast. Each week, we give you the face take on the biggest stories from music, movies, style and politics. We take a look at what's hot and what's not, and we give you our view on the clothes, the politics, the attitude and the romance. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Face Podcast, where we are joined at Face HQ by Face Digital Director Brooke McCord and Face Features Editor Olive Pometsi. Hello, you two. Good morning. Hiya. Now, today we are talking about Barbie, who is the star of a new movie played by Oscar nominee Margot Robbie and directed by fellow Oscar nominee Greta Gerwig, the trailer for which was released at the end of last week. Did you watch it? Of course. Yes. I think we were all gathered around the screen in the office watching it. Um, it was a big moment. Yeah, I don't really have a sense of what the film is about yet, but I love the sets, love the costumes, um, love the posters. Mm, mm. Okay, well, we'll come back to the movie later. Uh, but for now, it's based on the Barbie doll, obviously created by Ruth Handler for American toy company Mattel in 1959. Was she a toy that you both had growing up? She was. Yeah, I'd never really massively been into dolls like the kind of like My Baby All Gone and all those ones which you nursed and fed. Mm. Um, but I remember my brother bought me a Barbie for Christmas when I must have been five or something. And I was quite obsessed with her. I think it was just because you could change her outfits and because of those little jelly shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they'd always get like stuck. Or and like lost. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they'd just be kind of hogging up my mum's hoover. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the plastic shoes really, really stick in my memory. Yeah, I mean... I was Barbie mad, like Were literally you? Barbie crazy. Like I have, well, it's not really my memory, but I've been told it a lot. Like I think when I was like a toddler, I really wanted the Barbie house. Oh yeah. And everyone, like for Christmas. Yeah. And everyone told my mum, you know, it's like just a load of plastic. She'll never play with it. Like don't bother. <laughs> and so like Christmas day comes, I was like super disappointed, like really sad. Like, you know, grateful for what I'd got, but like just visibly disappointed. And then the, all the next year I was like to my mum, oh, like, do you know, do you think I've been good enough? Do you think Santa will bring me like a Barbie house? <laughs> and then apparently the next year when I got it, I was like shaking with excitement. Um, and I, I played with it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and still today. Um, you know, I think we've still got it. I think it's like one of those things that my mum can't throw away because mm-hmm. it was such a massive part of both of our lives for a couple of years. <laughs> well, well, being such a massive part, what, what do you think Barbie symbolised to you when you were children, if anything? Um, I think it was perhaps the first time that I'd you know, you try and get yourself dressed as a kid and you try and do all these things and have like that sense of independence. But it's the first time you kind of look after something that feels slightly separate from the life that you're living every day. And you start wondering or thinking about where she's going, what she's getting dressed for and about all these kind of activities. And I find that Mm. really fascinating. And I think, well, I think we'll come on to this, but I think your relationship perhaps changes with that as you get older and you start thinking a bit more about how she looks and, and the kind of world that she lives in. But yeah, I think like in terms of when I was younger, it was it was kind of aspirational, I guess. You know, you wanted to be her. She was so cool. It was also, you were like, I used to use my Barbie doll to like enact the life that I wanted. Like I used to like yeah. have Barbie, who was obviously me. Um, and then I would have all like the other characters in my life. And then we would like all live in the Barbie house and I'd make up these stories and um, I'd be a pop star, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a vet at one point, but then it sort of took a swift turn to... I was a marine biologist. Wow. Um, yeah, there were all different types. Yeah, I mainly had like the ballerina one, the 
pop star one. I did have the air hostess one. She was quite a lot of fun. Mm. Um, and the plane. <laughs> I had so oh, much stuff. <laughs> well, Brooke, you, you just kind of alluded to this, but did, did your impression changes of Barbie as you entered your teenage years or entered your adulthood? Did, like, did what she mean kind of change at all? Yeah, it actually did on a few different levels. Um, I remember one day my mum coming home and being horrified that there was loads of hair all over the floor in the house <laughs> um, because I chopped all the hair off and given them all these kind of like spiky Mohican styles. And I think that was a bit of a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like that evil kid in Toy Story. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I decided that I didn't like this long, glossy blonde hair and that they all needed this. Um, I think at one point as well, I got my mum's mascara out and started making it like black and like just completely... Wow. Yeah, give her a makeover. Not sure if it was for the better. But yeah, so I think you start to, yeah, question the way that she looked. I know, well, as I got a bit older again, um, when I was actually doing my A-levels, I based my art final project on kind of unrealistic beauty standards because you had to pick a topic that was in the media. So this must have been around uh, 2008, 2009. And the topic I picked was size zero models because that was all over the news. And the... Full disclaimer, this art project sounds absolutely dreadful, by the way, and I don't know how I managed to pass, let alone get an but, but I didn't know this before we started recording the podcast, so you, you are the perfect guest. I am the perfect guest. Yeah, so basically I'd based this project on kind of unrealistic beauty standards, and the the final project was girls in all these kind of different rooms in the house and one was surrounded by cutouts of models from magazines and mirrors and there was a Barbie in the middle and I sort of melted her um and almost like destroyed her and she was sort of melting into the ground oh my goodness a lifetime of mutating Barbies pretty much yeah (laughs) um so yeah my relationship completely changed with that um and yeah there was a whole project that I did in in art about it do you still have it I think it's somewhere in the garage at home, but I'm kind of mm. hoping that we don't ever see it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it's, it's interesting, you know, and it's kind of that you were sort of um, heading along that path in terms of your thought process. Because no, look, if you Google the words Barbie and, and feminist, now one of the first headlines that comes up, I did this just before the podcast is, uh, why the new Barbie movie is the feminist epic we deserve, which is a headline that it would have been unimaginable a few decades ago, you know, even a few a few years ago. Um, and, and so can we talk a little bit about Barbie's relationship to feminism and, and how, how that kind of has been over the last few decades? Yeah, I feel like basically since she was created, she's had, you know, a difficult relationship with feminism. Um, and I suppose as well, the time during which she was created, which was, was it 1959? That was a time when the whole world was maybe having quite a difficult relationship with feminism. And yeah. so the way that we view it now is a lot different. Um, but, you know, she was originally created, um, inspired by this doll called Bill the Lily, um, who is a German doll who is marketed at men. So already that's a bit, mm. a bit weird. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, lots of different dolls in the early 60s. I think there was like the babysitter doll who came with a book about how to lose weight and... Yeah, just the unrealistic beauty standards. There was, I mean, Brooke, you talked about how there's all that conversation about size zero, but there's also been a lot of conversation about how Barbie's body, you know, wouldn't actually be able to physically function as a body if she were a human. Oh, totally. I find that really fascinating, like how they, um, you know, came up with those proportions. Like the whole, that whole part of it's completely distorted. But back to what you were just saying about obviously being 
uh, inspired by this German doll that was marketed to men. I found this really interesting, well, horrendous quote. Basically, they referred to her as a post-war gold-digging buxom broad who got in life by seducing wealthy male suitors. And that's the cartoon character that she was based on. It was a comic strip in a tabloid paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing on that note that I was reading about, which I think is also fascinating, this kind of, you know, storied history of her, was about this Barbie liberation organization and the havoc they caused in toy stores in America in the early 90s, where they basically went in and switched Barbie's vocal box with G.I. Joe dolls. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And they referred to it as surgery. Obviously, they were trying to disrupt the gendered roles of these dolls in America. But um, I find that an interesting story. Barbie was sort of shouting, vengeance is mine. And he was shouting, the beach is the best place for summer. (laughs) (laughs) it's really good it's also i I thought it was funny how when the trailer dropped for the barbie film lots of people were complaining about the fact that aqua's song barbie girl was not used in the trailer and there's been like lots of fan edits with it added but of course they're not going to use that in the trailer because that song Mm -hmm. is all about how barbie herself is sort of this bimbo sex object and you know mattel was so annoyed by it that they took Aqua to court in the 90s. Did they? Um, yeah, they did. I didn't actually um, realise that. Yeah, there was like a whole long lawsuit and then it like Massa lost. And I think the judge closing statement was that the parties are advised to chill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I was obsessed with that song when I was a kid, but the fact that you're like, you know, six at the time singing, you can brush my hair and dress me everywhere is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I mean, I, it, that was kind of, I was not, well, I li- was listening to the lyrics, but it didn't mean anything to me. I was happily dancing along and making my dumb harpies dance along to it too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been omitted from the film. Yeah, I don't think Mattel want anything to do with that. It's a bit embarrassing for them, really, considering that <laughs> they were told to chill by the, <laughs> by the court judge. law. <laughs> I've got a quote here from... Gloria Steinem in 2018 and and she said I am so grateful I didn't grow up with Barbie Barbie's everything we don't want to be and we were told to be so so how have we gone from that which was only in 2018 to to where we are now where we see see headlines like uh the new Barbie movie is the feminist epic we we deserve what's been the switch of the the way of thinking about Barbie that's changed over the last few years well I think our way of thinking about feminism has changed. Mm. I mean, you were saying about how the original doll was like described as this like glamorous woman who seduces men and gets loads of money. Like, I feel like if you put that on TikTok, they'd be like, okay, slay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's like girl bossing. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and girl bossing her, is a, her career, right? You yeah. Know, if you look at all of the jobs that she's The biggest done. girl boss that is ever girl bossed. Um, <laughs> Well, that's the interesting thing, actually. I think even, okay, we'll come to the, perhaps the transition period in Barbie, which has led to what we're talking about today. But interestingly, obviously, I was born in the 90s, not, you know, 1960s. Just. But, (laughs) just. um, (laughs) Thank you. Um, But back then, obviously, you know, the norm was to go get married, start a family, all of those things. But to see this woman who was all about her friends, all about her career, all about doing, you know, having a profession and, you know, looking good and wearing fashion and all these things which can be marked as trivial. But that was obviously back then very different to the times. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting as well when I was like looking back at Barbie's career and I thought maybe... She's had a long one. Yeah, it's been... She's had so many jobs and she's actually... What are some of the jobs? What what else? Oh my God. So in the 50s and 60s, which is when she was first created, um, she was a model. 
mm. first and foremost, but also a ballerina, a fashion designer, a fashion editor, a singer, but also a business executive and an astronaut. And so, <laughs> you know, like that, I thought that maybe her careers, I mean, I'm not discrediting ballerinas and fashion editors. Mm -hmm. I'm <laughs> 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 but I thought that maybe, you know, a lot, all of her career choices back at her beginning might have been more sort of stereotypically feminine. Um, but she was out in space. Yeah, um, she yeah. actually landed on the moon in 1965, which was four years before Neil Armstrong. Well, there you go. Wow. A pioneer. <laughs> That's a good fact. <laughs> Isn't it? That's yeah. my favourite fact. That's cool. <laughs> so she was doing all those in the 60s. Yeah, and then in the 70s, she was a surgeon, an equestrian. And this is actually a, re a redacted sample of her job wow, because yeah. there were just so many. Um, actor, she was an Olympic figure skate skater, gymnast, skier and swimmer. And separate to that, she was also dabbling in tennis and she um, <laughs> became a flight attendant. Um, then in the 80s, she worked at McDonald's and she also became a vet, an aerobics instructor, rock star, travel agent, UNICEF ambassador. Mm. And she also got like a load of jobs working in candy shops, ice cream parlors and crepe stands. Um, <laughs> then she became a restaurant owner, an Air Force pilot, a teacher. She joined the Marines and the Navy. She became a rapper, a baseball player, a florist, an Avon representative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can go on. Uh, <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> okay. Um, um, and then in the noughties, Formula One driver, a spy. That's, a, that's quite an exciting one. I don't remember that yeah, one. I wish yeah. I had that dog. Because she kept it secret. Yeah, well, <laughs> not a great marketing strategy. <laughs> um, she ran for president. Um, she also became a cat burglar, <laughs> which I don't know if that's like a great thing to, you know. Be promoting. Yeah, but fun, mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, she then in the 2010s, she became a computer engineer, a circus performer, a firefighter, a wild animal trainer, a news anchor, a marine biologist, a paleontologist, a beekeeper, a robotics engineer, and a chicken farmer. And most recently <laughs> in the 20s, it's, it's been a short decade so far, only three yeah, years in. Yeah. Um, but she's been a boxer, a campaign manager, I think I'm assuming politically, um, I don't know, a paramedic, a tooth fairy, and a renewable energy engineer. So she's also saving the planet. Wow. Like the contrast between tooth fairy and renewable energy yeah, well, engineer. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to find some sort of connecting thread between these jobs. <laughs> it just seems like she's done everything, really. She's really tried her hand at absolutely every profession out there. Do you know what she hasn't done? She hasn't become a journalist. Well, oh, that's one thing that she hasn't done. Like, Maybe I've... that's to come in the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned this is kind of her girl bossing card and anyone's ever girl bossed before, you know, and it, it's also, as well as running in parallel with kind of um, the, the girl boss movement, it's running parallel or Barbie's reappraisal rather is running parallel with uh, something called the bimbo movement, um, which seems to have been talked about a lot online over the last two or three years. Uh, could you explain what the bimbo movement is? So. I think it started on the internet. Probably, I think, yeah. Yeah, as, as everything does. Um, and it's basically young girls kind of reappropriating the bimbo aesthetic. Um, but, you know, talking about kind of intellectual subjects and being really smart and like explicitly smart on social media whilst mm. dressed like a bimbo. I think probably the, the thought process behind it is that, you know, you have, you know, okay, Gloria Diamond be like, oh, Barbie's everything that we, we don't want to be. Yeah. But she's actually speaking for all women there. Right. And, you know, like patriarchal beauty standards are oppressive, but it's also equally oppressive to be told by other women that you can't dress in a certain way and mm -hmm. you can't be smart and dress in a certain mm -hmm. way. So mm -hmm. I think the bimbo movement is basically a reaction to that. Yeah, nicely put. Um, uh, Lauren Cochran uh, wrote a great piece on the history of um, Barbie for our most recent 
issued the face uh, and she put Barbie's now a figurehead for the bimbo movement on TikTok, one dripping in irony, but also challenging the idea that you have to wear black to be smart. This is Barbie with a wink, but also with a point. She loves pink, sure, but she also loves trans rights and female empowerment. So it's kind of a complete reappraisal of, of, of what Barbie is and, and what she stands for. Can you give any other examples or, or signifiers of the bimbo movement beyond just Barbie? The Simple Life, hmm. um, Paris Hilton, hmm. um, and all that kind of era of It Girls, really. I think they were yeah. painted in the press. And also I think they were in on the in on the joke as very, you know, not super bright, just silly girls who were interested in material things and didn't really want to engage with real life or hard subjects. I think there's a level of that with the Kardashians as well. Yeah. Because you go look at Kim and all of her accolades and her studies. And I think, you know, people love to use her as the kind of figurehead for somebody who's all about their appearance. Mm. And obviously there's so much more to it than that. Mm. And what about in terms of appearance? You know, I'm thinking, um, I, I don't know if this will go hand in hand with, I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about Barbie core as well on the internet and, and uh, Lauren's piece pointed to um in 2022 barbie pink became the color of the year seeing everything from kim kardashian's instagram post to megan fox on the on the red carpet so is it something that we have seen reflected in in fashion or aesthetics as as well 100 percent um i think the color of 2022 was that valentino pink yeah which was yeah. that really blinding saturated pink which literally the minute you see it you think barbie Mm. Yeah, I think in general, there's just been a move towards this really girly kind of fun fashion aesthetic, um, everywhere from the runway to like on the streets. And I think, um, women are kind of just enjoying being a bit feminine. And I think, you know, there's always been this kind of push and pull between, you know, oh, you know, be really girly and be sexualized or whatever, but also, you want to be taken seriously. And I think now we're getting to a point where people are realizing that they can do both, or even if they don't, can't, maybe can't literally walk into an office full of men and do both, that they're going to do that in their free time and have fun with it mm. and sort of embrace all of the weird parts of being a girly girl. Mm. <laughs> totally. Mm. You can be a feminist and wear pink. You can be a feminist and want to look hot. It's all of those things. Mm. Mm. Well, and look, thinking about this, does this mean that, Barbie has been misunderstood this whole time, or are we just viewing her differently now? Well, I think I think a bit of both. I think there was a big shift in the company, which I think, well, it definitely stemmed from business reasons. It was around 2017, 2018. Mattel had noticed that they dropped in sales like 25% since 2012. Right. And I think it was Lego had basically overtaken Mattel as the biggest toy company in the world. Uh -huh. um, Lego had launched a line of building blocks um, that taught girls to build. And they were sort of, you know, obviously questioning their place in the industry. And I think their rebrand, A, it came in the kind of shape of a more diverse Barbie <sighs> We saw new body types for the first time, like all of that happened, but also her rebrand in this kind of, you know, within modern technology meant that all of a sudden she jumped on social media. She was on YouTube, she started vlogging, and then it meant she had a voice. Mm. So I think perhaps mm. historically it was very much, despite all of her professions and, you know, all of her different work, it was still rooted in this kind of object and the way she looked. Whereas the minute she had a voice, you could see that there was a lot more there mm, and the kind mm. of topic she started speaking about and I think that really perhaps shifted the narrative mm, mm. yeah 
I remember, I feel like during Black Lives Matter, even she vlogged about it and she like explained, you know, kind of what police brutality was, like I guess in the nicest terms that you can for children and microaggressions and all this terminology. And she did it really well, actually, and better than like a lot of commentators were doing in the newspaper. (laughs) And I think, you know, I saw that and I like respect. (laughs) (laughs) There's also one of her vlogs where she basically breaks down the dream gap which is where girls begin to lose confidence in their competence at the age of five. So she explains that to kids. She has 9 million subscribers. Wow. She also does things like gives you, you know, a house tour. Yeah. And does the, um, actually, because, <laughs> because of the Barbie trailer the other day, it actually brought me to the official Barbie Instagram account, which is something I can't say I've really engaged with before. <laughs> sure. And I've really enjoyed this reel of her just doing the housework. She was kind of mopping up a coffee stain, hoovering. Wow, Mrs. Hinch. I know, it was very Mrs. Hinch. Um, But I think it might be my new favourite guilty pleasure, just watching Barbie doing the housework. I also saw a TikTok. I I didn't actually seek it out. It was on my For You page, um, make of that what you will. Um, But it was from the Barbie account. Um, But it wasn't actually Barbie. It was a Barbie employee doing like, you know, the kind of corporate girly day of the life in Barbie offices. And so, you know, there's a real world Barbie team as well who are also now getting a face and being like, oh, this is what it's like to work at Barbie. Mm, mm, yeah. It's like mm. fun. They have like a real life-size Barbie house. Oh, um, do they? Yeah, wow. so I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> need to yeah. Well, look, this brings us nicely to uh, Greta Gerwig's film, Barbie, which has been in development, or, a, or at least a Barbie movie has been in development since 2009, but only found its director in 2021. And what a great choice of director Greta Gerwig is, isn't she? I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. People are so excited about it. Watching that trailer, it's Campus Christmas. Like the cast is absolutely (laughs) killer. Um, Obviously, yeah, the cast is actually amazing. Let's go through some of the names because it is a big cast, isn't it? Yeah, huge. Who's who's in the movie? Margot Robbie, Mm. Ryan Gosling, Harry Neff, Issa Rae, Dua Lipa, and Shuti Gatwa. Um... Nicola Coughlin. Oh, yeah, she's... Oh, yeah. Michael Sarah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many people. Yeah, Emma Mackey. Oh, yeah, Emma Mackey. All the sex education really lot. intrigued. Well, obviously, you know, from the most memeable film marketing that we've seen in a while. Oh, uh, where you could make the poster of yourself. No. Exactly. Yeah. There was, I think, yeah, there was a generator so you could right, become yeah. Barbie and then obviously yeah. it was everywhere. Um, but you sort of got a slight flavour of who all of those people were playing. Um, so whether it was Giora as a blue-haired mermaid Barbie or Issa as president, mm. it got you really excited about the characters that we're going to see. Because that because you couldn't glean a huge amount from the trailer, right? But what you could no. see was that there were going to be multiple Kens and multiple Barbies and they all live in this Barbie land, Barbie world. Yeah, and I think as well what people are really excited about is the fact that um, it seems as though um, Greta is sticking really closely to Barbie law. Um, right, so right. there is Alan. He was a discontinued friend of Ken. And I guess he got discontinued because no one wanted to play with a friend of Ken. And they just wanted Ken to be the boyfriend. And then they didn't want him to have any friends, (laughs) which is, you know, fair enough. And And then Alan is Michael Sarah. And I think that's going to be great. Perfect casting. Wow. And then there is another doll. I can't remember her name, Um, but she was like a really controversial Barbie because she was pregnant. Right. Um, right. So she got discontinued too. Right. Um, And she's in it too. So I think Greta's like done her Barbie research. And I think it's really funny that everyone's called Barbie because every single Barbie that is released is called Barbie. Yeah. I love that part of the trailer. Morning, Barbie. Morning, Barbie. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm excited to see what she does with it. You know, obviously she's more known for these kind of indie films, you know, like Francis mm. Ha and, and Lady Bird, you know, Lady Bird. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it's interesting to see her do this kind of big glossy, you know, um, high concept world, right? It's going to be an interesting take. Yeah, I think it's a perfect perspective though, because I think if you had someone who is too like marvel or mm. kind of, I don't know, if you had someone who was already too in that mainstream blockbuster world, then I think it probably wouldn't have the same effects that it is having right now on audiences. Because mm. I think, you know, Barbie has already been in so many films. Um, she's had so many, and they're always like just quite cute and like for kids and um, the animation's crazy. Mm. Um, but I think by bringing Greta Gerwig into it, then you also make it something that like parents can probably take their children to see and still enjoy it, which are like, I guess, the children's films that you always remember, like mm. Finding mm. Nemo and mm. stuff like that. Those are the ones that parents can also enjoy. And I think also lots of childless adults will be going to see Barbie <laughs> too. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Um, and, and, and so what are your hopes f- for the movie? What do you hope she, she does or, or says with, with the Barbie character in, in the film? I think it's that, you know, she portrays that depth that we've just been talking about and some of those things which perhaps are neglected or, you know, all of the brilliant work that Barbie and Mattel have done over the years. I hope all of that shines through mm-hmm. so that perhaps we stop the same kind of tired conversations about her not being able to be a feminist mm. and so on mm. and just, just lastly from from both of you she she's um now she's conquered hollywood and she's done all of her previous roles chicken farmer vet astronaut <laughs> business executive what career should barbie try next i think olive wants her to be a journalist yeah but is that really that exciting you know <laughs> <laughs> Like, are the outfits that glam? I don't know. It depends on the journalist, I suppose. But. <laughs> she must have been a fashion designer before, right? Yeah, she was a fashion designer, definitely. What's the one profession we haven't seen yet? Podcast host. Podcast host. Hmm. Oh, God, yeah. yeah I can't she doesn't have a podcast yet. She'll probably have a podcast soon. Yeah. God, another competitor on the market. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Matthew Whitehouse, editor of The Face. The Face podcast is produced by Frontier Productions. Music by Lewis Culture, recorded at the Standard London. <laughs>